today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Money is a true indicator of hidden character. Jesus here declares, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. What you do with your resources, how you handle the finances that God has blessed you with, this whole idea of having a generous heart, every bit of that speaks to the character of the individual. And again, Jesus is speaking to kingdom people here, and he's directing them about what it means to be kingdom thinking and kingdom living. If you followed the money in your life, would you find yourself as a faithful steward or an unjust steward? Where our money goes speaks highly of our heart and even of our character. In today's message, we will learn of Jesus' parable about an unjust steward. Pastor David will teach the importance of how we handle God's resources that he gives us. Are we wasteful? Are we overly focused on ourselves? In light of the stewardship in our lives, would God trust us with more? Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Just or Unjust Steward. has the meaning of not only wasting, but also scattering or squandering, totally misusing what he was responsible for. Well, this came to the attention of the landowner. He calls the manager in to give an account. And he says, not only do I want you to give an account of what you're doing, but oh, by the way, you're fired. He says, you're fired. What have you been doing? You can no longer be my manager anymore, but different than what it is today, For some reason, he still allowed that manager to be able to hold on to the books for a while. He said, you're fired. You need to get the books in order because I need to find out what's going on. So with that, at that point in time, the manager, he pretty well panics. He wonders how in the world he's going to be able to survive and and maintain the lifestyle that he's become accustomed to. He says to himself, man, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm way too uh, embarrassed or ashamed to go begging, but I've got to do something. Apparently, as he was squandering his master's estate, he was only thinking about the here and now. He wasn't laying anything aside for later. He was probably using it all up as fast as it came in. The present, again, is about to become the past, and the future is going to hit him square on in the face. He hadn't prepared for the future at all. You may be familiar with a term I heard many, many years ago. It says that today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday, but all is well, so smile. Did you catch that? Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday, all is well, smile. But that's not the case with this guy. As a matter of fact, today is the tomorrow you never thought would come, and all is not well for this guy. But here, the shrewdness of this man 
Not only was he unjust in dealing with his master's money, but he's also a shrewd character. He's a very acute, very wise character in some areas. This now comes out pretty clear. He needs to make certain that once he's kicked out of his master's house, he has some place to go, that he has friends outside of his master's house. And so he comes up with this plan, a plan that allows him that even during the toughest times of his life, he doesn't have to live out in the streets. He'll have a place to go. People, as it says here, people might receive him into their houses. So he begins calling in his master's debtors one by one. Now, we're not informed how many debtors the master you know, had there. We, we do hear the example of two of them, but since the master had a large enough estate that he had to hire a manager or a steward to take care of his affairs, we pretty well can assume that there's more than just two debtors to him. But again, from these two, we get the idea of the plan. In verse 5, it says, So summoning, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And the guy comes, and he says, Well, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. So he gives that man the bill or, or the, the receipt for it. He says, here, sit down and quickly write 50. And you wonder, well, why quickly on that? Well, I believe because I know he has only a limited amount of time. The master is only going to allow him to have those books for so long until the master wants that full account. Quick, write down 50. Uh, next one, get them over. The next one comes and he says, how much do you owe? He says, oh, I owe 100 measures of wheat. Well, quick, sit down and, and write 80 on there. And again, you might think at this point in time, well, this guy is a really nice guy. He's forgiving all of this debt. What a nice guy. But don't forget, whose debt is it? It's not his. He's still squandering the master's stuff. And again, what he's doing is he's now making those people indebted to him. Because he says, hey, look what I did for you. So no, he's not a nice guy. He's a schemer. He's a squanderer. He's, he's unjust. But the interesting thing, the response of the master to what he does is totally, absolutely curious. Listen to what it says here. It says that the master commended, in verse 8, the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. Now, this is the part that most people really struggle with. Well, wait a minute. So what lesson is that? You think, is, is Jesus telling us that we need to deal shrewdly and, and, and with trickery with people? Well, the simple answer is to that, of course not. That's not what the lesson is. Some parables are given to us as an example of what we should follow. Some parables are given to us as an example of what we should not follow. This particular parable is given to us well, kind of to do both, but uh, we'll hang in there. We'll, we'll, we'll show you what I mean here as we get on. Now, Jesus finishes the parable itself, and he kind of gives an interpretation of the parable. There in the second part of verse 8, he says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Now, this is getting weirder and weirder. I mean, if you really look at it, this is like, I, this is not making sense. Make friends of myself with unrighteous wealth in order that they might receive me into eternal dwellings? What friend of mine here on earth is going to receive me into any kind of eternal dwellings, you know? 
friends like fish after four days, they stink. It's time for you to leave. That's not an eternal dwelling that we're looking for. So that's not what they're able to give. So what is Jesus speaking to us here? As I said earlier, it's all going to come together. Just hang in there. This whole parable, you need to understand, actually has to do with stewardship. Stewardship of our lives and of our resources. Jesus here is using a bad example to hopefully help us understand a good principle. During our lifetime, we are managers of the blessings of God in our life. Everything that you and I have, from our life, our breath, our health, our very being, all that we have, do you realize it's not yours? You're only borrowing all this stuff, and none of it is continual. None of it is eternal. You are, again, the manager of God's resources during your time here on earth. What kind of a manager are you? Are you a good manager, or are you an unjust and a shrewd manager for the Lord's stuff? The process of our lives the management of our master's resources have to come to that point of understanding nothing I have is mine, everything is the Lord's, and so first of all, in every area of my life, I need to deal honestly, and I need to deal under his direction in my life. That becomes with my time, my talents, and yes, my treasures, my finances, my gifts, my job, everything about me. Lord, what would you have me to do? That's why we need to pray and seek the Lord first thing in the morning. Lord, lead my day. Help me to know where you would have me to go, what you would have me to do. That's why everything that our hands find to do, we do it as unto the Lord. Yes, the jobs that we do, the fun times, the recreation that we do. Again, Lord, Cause us, in the midst of all of these things, to see you and to worship you and honor you. Deal honestly and under his direction. And also, we need to keep our vision on the future of what's ahead. I'm not talking about retirement, folks. I'm talking about eternity. We need to see beyond this life, and we need to understand that this life is but a breath. It's just a moment, and it's very soon gone. What attention what focus have you placed on the future? You see, this unjust steward, he hadn't put any thought into the future. And when suddenly the time comes, he's scrambling to find out some kind of a plan to do something. Are we preparing for the future? Are you preparing for the next stage of your existence? When you move from this realm into the next, are you making preparation for that even now? Through the use of his physical resources, this man finally is coming to that point where he is making preparation. But let me ask you, how about you? How serious are you in the preparation for the future? If you don't think that this particular parable is about finances, look down with me down into verse 14. We actually get into next week's lesson. But look what it says in verse 14. Now the Pharisees, who were what? Lovers of money, heard all of these things, and they derided him. And they came against Jesus. Why? Because they understood this parable was about money. Oh, and by the way, folks, money is not a four-letter word in church, okay? I know a lot of people, well, you can't speak about money. Or some might say, well, every time I come to church, you speak about money. Well, you haven't been here very often then because we hardly ever speak about it. 
But this is what Jesus is speaking about here. He's speaking about our financial responsibility and the fiduciary responsibility that we have of another man's goods. We are responsible for the goods and the resources that are God's, that he simply places into our hands for us to work and use for his glory during our time here. We look at this world And it would seem like the great vast majority of the people are focused only on the here and only on the now. They have absolutely no thought for the future, particularly their eternal future. Just recently heard about someone that went to an auction and they bought a purse at an auction. Has anybody heard this yet? Do you know where I'm going? They paid over a quarter of a million dollars for a purse, ladies. $270,000. And if that isn't weird enough, it was empty. There was nothing in it. That much money for something as simple and as temporary and as empty as a purse. Society as a whole has this continuing mantra, I want to have more, more, more. I want it for me, 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 and I want to have it now, now, now. The sad part comes is when people of the kingdom of God have that same mantra in their life. To say that I'm part of God's kingdom, and yet there is a greed, there's a desire for more, more, more. You see, the child of God needs to be wise enough to plan for the future And I'm not talking about your 401k or your Roth IRA or your retirement funds of any sort. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the eternal future. I mean literally, as Jesus says, laying up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Jesus goes on to add his explanation to this parable. Look down in verse 10. He says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. But one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, speaking of money, who will entrust you to the true riches? And again, I believe he's speaking if you've been unfaithful here in the financial situation, then who's going to trust you? with these other true riches, which have nothing to do with finances. But again, speaking of the riches of the glory of God's kingdom. He goes on, verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, in other words, we are the caretakers of God's resources, who will give you that which is your own? Well, what is our own? What do we really have that's going to last? You might say, hey, I got a few thousand dollars stored up over here, over there. That's not going to last. It's going to burn up. What is it that we have that is ours? Not only our salvation, but also the rewards of glory. All the things that are set before us in glory. Again, the word speaks of a multitude of times, the crowns that we can receive, the jewels within that crown, the blessings that are ours eternally. Those things, you know what? If we're not faithful today in the things that God has called us to be faithful in as the caretaker of his resources, he says, then who is going to give you what is your own? Jesus is here telling us that if we are dishonest before him in the stewardship of our lives, we're surely going to be dishonest before him in other areas of our lives. One of the things that I've found out 
if in your life as a believer, you're not real honest and you're not a real good caretaker of your time and your talents, you're not real faithful in giving to the Lord in your time and your talents, you're probably not real faithful in giving to him of your treasure either. But I have also found just the opposite thing. Those that are willing to give of their time, they're willing to serve, they're willing to minister, they're willing to volunteer. Man, they just want to serve the Lord. They want to be a part of what God is doing. You know what? They're usually the ones who are the most faithful in their giving financially too. And it doesn't matter what end of the economic scale you are. As a matter of fact, more often than not, those that are on the lower end of the economic scale are usually the more consistent of givers, the more consistent of supporters of work of ministry and in other areas. Not true all the time, but in many cases. Ray Stedman, pastor, he's on with the Lord now, but I love his stuff. I love, again, how the Lord used him. He states in reference to this passage and in reference to this whole idea, he says that money is a true indicator of hidden character. Jesus here declares... One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. What you do with your resources, how you handle the finances that God has blessed you with, this whole idea of having a generous heart, every bit of that speaks to the character of the individual. And again, Jesus is speaking to kingdom people here. And he's directing them about what it means to be kingdom thinking and kingdom living. And as God has blessed us, we need to be a blessing. If you think that God has blessed you to build up your goods in order for you to be able to say to yourself, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. You need to remember the end of that story. You fool. And so many people spend so much time in preparation for the last few years of life that they're not concerned about all of eternity. I'm satisfied for the rest of my life, but where is it for you for eternity? Remember when the Pharisees were asking Jesus whether it was lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus received a coin. He said, hey, whose image is on that coin? They said, well, that's Caesar's image. And so Jesus says, okay, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but unto God what is God's. You see, the image of that earthly money was the image of this world. Money is the image of this world. But you and I were created what? In the image of God. So we render unto God what is God's. Money is the image of the God of this world. It promises much, but it delivers little. For the worldly-minded, enough is never enough, though, is it? Yet, yet God even uses, he even uses this unrighteous mammon. I love, Jesus calls it that. It's this filthy lucre. You know, he, this unrighteous mammon is what he calls it. He uses that for his purposes. God uses this unrighteous mammon, this unrighteous wealth, this money, the world system. He uses it to feed the poor, to clothe the naked, to house the destitute. He uses it to send missionaries off to lands, both foreign as well as domestic. He prints Bibles with it. He prints discipleship material and Bible study materials with it. He takes this filthy lucre, and you know what? He redeems it, and he uses it to build Christian schools and colleges and universities and orphanages and daycare centers. 
With it, he builds radio stations. He finances ministries for the furtherance of the gospel. He uses it to equip the saints. God uses unrighteous mammon to expand the kingdom's reach. You see, this unrighteous mammon truly is the image of the world, but it can be redeemed for the purpose of the kingdom. And you know what? That depends upon you. What you do with the blessings that God has given you. Jesus ends it up in verse 13. He says, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Beloved, in essence, what he's saying is you cannot live simply to make more money, gaining the treasures of this world and fully and truly love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You just can't do it. It's two different directions. You can't run that way. And again, Ray Stedman says in reference to this, the proof of our allegiance to God, the proof to our allegiance to God is in the money trail. Interesting thought. Probably many of you are familiar with the movie, All the President's Men. Remember the little phrase in that movie? Follow the money. Follow the money. It shows really where we're at. If we followed the money in your life, would you be found as a steward? A faithful steward? Or an unjust steward? Would you be found as one who squandered and wasted the master's resources on yourself? Or would you be found as a faithful steward ready to be entrusted with more of the master's plan and purpose. That's what this passage is about. This is what the whole message is about, the stewardship of our lives before God. And so we're going to ask the ushers to come forward, and we're going to take another offering. No. <laughs> Had some of you worry, though. He's already taken two. Don't tell me he's taking another one. What does the future hold? None of us know. But we knew know the God who holds our future. Are we committed wholly and completely to him? To the point that we know all that I have is his. I don't want to come to the end of my days holding on to anything here. I want to have everything reaching up for him. And beloved, that's where our heart, that's where our mind, that's where the attitude of our life needs to be even today. To know Christ, to be so in love with him, to recognize the greatness of who he is, the greatness of God's plan and the fact that through God's blessing we have anything that we have. And there's nothing that we have but that he didn't give us. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. My prayer for you this morning is as a child of the king, as one who says you're part of the kingdom of God, that you want to be a part of the plan and the purpose of God, is that in all of this, you look at every area of your life. You look at the stewardship of your time, your talents, and yes, your treasures, your finances. Say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have us as a family to do? To honor you with all that we have in the best way that we could. To lay up treasures in heaven where again, the thief can't get in, the moth can't get in, and the rust can't get in. But Father, it brings glory and honor to you and to you alone. Open our hearts, change us from within by the
for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word. from we-